Will you turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and we shall read from verses 1 to 26. The Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 1 to 26. This is an absolutely well-known passage of scripture to almost all of us. It's been read, reread, dissected a number of times. And yet, there is always something that God speaks to us through any passage of scripture. And today we shall focus on John chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would, not have, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you speak, you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, 
I who speak to you am he. Now, as I said, this is a very well-known passage of scripture. However, let's just try to see what God is trying to tell us today through this passage of scripture. And the story does continue, and a little later we will progress on with some of the other verses. If you check the four Gospels for one-on-one conversations that Jesus had with different people at different points of time, you will find that this is actually his longest conversation. This conversation, not with a Jew, but with a Samaritan woman, is the longest recorded one-on-one conversation that Jesus had as recorded in the four Gospels. And there are multiple lessons that we can learn from this encounter. We will be touching upon some of those lessons, and therefore I have just titled this message as Lessons from Our Samaritan Sister. Lesson number one. Jesus meets with a nobody. This woman was a nobody. Even though this is the longest passage of scripture where Jesus had a one-on-one conversation, this passage is recorded in only one gospel, in the gospel of John. Her name is not recorded anywhere. She is a woman with no name, as far as the recording of this episode is concerned. She is a nobody. She has no name. In fact, no one from her city even wanted to be associated with this woman. Her past was shady. Her present was questionable. Why would anyone want to associate with such a person? In the eyes of a lot of people, she didn't exist. She was a nobody. Probably in her own eyes, she was a nobody. As was the custom of the land, the women would generally come to the well as a group. And when they come, they would generally choose the morning hours when it is cool, or the evening hours when it is cool, in order to collect water which they would then transport back to the city. Because most of the cities of that region at that time had their water sources outside the city. And people would have to come outside the city, collect the water and transport it back. And the women had that laborious task to do. But they would come in the morning or in the evening. But here was this woman who chose to come in the midday sun. Now for the last couple of weeks, some of us have been talking about how hot the weather has been. Imagine this lady's plight. At approximately the same time that we start our service, in the mid-morning, right when the sun is at its peak, this lady comes to the well. She has nobody with her. She chooses to come at that time because nobody wants to associate with her. Nobody wants to be anywhere near her, and that's when she comes. She's such an unpopular lady. Our Samaritan sister is a nobody. 
she also had to take the risk of coming all by herself. She could have been attacked by anybody. After all, she has a, a shady past, a questionable present, so she could be attacked by anyone. And since this well was outside the city, there could be wild animals which could attack her. And yet she had to come alone, because there was nobody who was willing to come with her. Are you like this woman today? Are you a despised person in your office or even in your home? Are you a person nobody wants to talk to? Are you friendless? Do you just come and go, hoping that somebody will talk to you? Somebody would greet you, somebody would say hello to you. But do you see that in a crowd of people, people look through you, people look past you, they greet the person behind you, they greet the person to your side, but nobody talks to you. Are you such kind of a person? If you are that kind of a person, this lesson is for you. If you think that you are a nobody, if the world doesn't see you for who you are, but they just bypass you, then this is a lesson for you. But don't look at yourself as the world looks at you. Because the world has always got it wrong. The world has never got anything right. Google hasn't got it right. Google never gets it right. Take any other web browser, they never get it right. You want to get it right? Don't look at yourself as the world looks at you. Remember there was a lady called Sarah in the Bible. How did the world look at her? The world looked at Sarah as a barren woman. But God looked at her as a mother of all nations. The world saw a poor shepherd boy in David. God saw a mighty king of Israel. The world saw a poor prisoner in Joseph, but God saw a powerful prime minister of Egypt. Jesus is simply telling you one thing today. The world may see you as a nobody, but in the eyes of God, he says, you are my brother. Jesus Christ says, you are my brother, because that's what he's told us in the Gospels just before he left. He said, you are my brothers, I no longer call you my servants. You are my brothers. And if you are his brothers, you are the sons, the daughters, the child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Are you a nobody? That's the way the world looks at you. But lesson number one is God doesn't think you are a nobody. You are a somebody. And God is asking only one question today. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like me to befriend you? I befriended that lady at the well. She was friendless, but she found a friend in me. Are you friendless? Are you a nobody? You have a friend in me. Lesson two. Jesus breaks barriers. From our passage, we see the following points. Jews weren't allowed to speak to Samaritans. 
And Jesus was doing precisely that. For political reasons, the Jews considered themselves to be a pure breed, while the Samaritans were a hybrid breed because of mixed marriage. So the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. They didn't want to talk to them. They didn't want to be seen even speaking a word to them. But Jesus said, I'm going to speak to the Samaritan woman and I'm not going to speak to her in the quietness of her home, within four walls. I am going to do it at Jacob's well, in the open, where everybody could see it. If anybody comes that side that time, and the disciples were there, they had gone to get the food, but they came back and they saw that Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman. He broke a barrier. He said, is this what the Jews say? That you should not talk to Samaritans? I'm a Jew. And I'll break that barrier. Men weren't permitted to address women without their husbands being present. Here was a woman. She agreed she didn't have a husband at that point of time. But yes, she was a woman way beyond her time. She was practicing what a lot of people are practicing today. She was living with a man. So living together is not something that's of this generation. It was obviously available then. It wasn't right then, it isn't right now. But Jesus said, it doesn't matter, I want to speak to you. Does the world say that I shouldn't speak to you just because your husband is not around? Good, I'm going to speak to you. Jesus broke a barrier. Jews weren't allowed to use cups used by Samaritans. And Jesus was now asking for just that. He said, can I have a drink? How was he going to drink if he wasn't going to get a cup of water from the Samaritan woman? He was wearied. It was the hot time of the day. So he said, can I have a some water to drink. And she was obviously going to give it to him if she was going to give it at all with the cup that she had. Jews weren't supposed to do that. Now some of us in India would know this. If you were a Brahmin, you wouldn't dare take a cup which has been used by somebody else because you get contaminated. Jews would be contaminated if they took something from a Samaritan woman. Jesus, Jesus said, who's bothered about that contamination? Is that what the world says? Is that what everybody says, that I shouldn't use a cup just because a Samaritan woman has brought it? Forget it. Can I have the cup, please? Jesus broke barriers. Rabbis, and Jesus was a rabbi because he was called the teacher of teachers. He was a Rabboni. Rabbis weren't supposed to speak to people living in sin. And this woman, everybody knew, was, women, was, was living in sin. But Jesus said, what the rabbis are saying is rubbish. I am here to speak to those who are in sin. It's those who are in sin who need me. It's to them I need to speak and I need to address my point of view. I need to tell them who God is. I need to tell them that they need to change their ways. I don't need to speak to somebody who is not in sin. 
If this lady is in sin, she is the one I need to speak to. If that was not the job of the rabbis, what was their job? To go criticizing everybody? Maybe that was their job, I don't know. But what we know is rabbis were not supposed to talk to people living in sin. And Jesus said, that's a barrier I'm going to break. And if you read from verse 9 onwards, you will see that actually some of these objections were brought by our Samaritan sister herself. You see, the point is, she focused on the law. She said, this is what the law says now. This is what the customs say now. Jesus said, I'm not focusing on the law. I'm focusing on you as a person. The law may say a, a lot of things, but I'm focusing on you as a person. And that's what Jesus is telling us today. He wants to talk to you and me. Not by any particular uh, law or custom or tradition or whatever, but he wants to talk to you and me as a person to person. God loves speaking to each one of us. Jesus takes pleasure in speaking to each one of us. He says, I want to speak to you. Are you willing to speak to me? Jesus was not going to let man-made customs or man-made uh, laws to interfere with God's divine plan. And remember, God's divine plan is simply to save that which is lost. If this lady was lost, God's plan is to save her. If you and I are lost, God's plan is to save us. Very simple. He said, you can make any number of laws, you can make any number of restrictions, you can make any number of conditions and criteria. All of that. If it doesn't fit into God's overall plan that man needs to be saved, those laws mean nothing. Here was a woman living in sin. She knew it. Everyone knew it. Jesus knew it. Everyone despised her. She undervalued herself. But Jesus knew the grace of God would save her. Now if you remember the story of Nicodemus, which is told in the previous chapter, John chapter 3, you will recognize one major difference between our Samaritan sister and our Jewish brother Nicodemus. She knew she was a sinner who needed the grace of God. Nicodemus had to be told he was a sinner who also needed the grace of God. Now, How about you and me today? Do you recognize yourself as a sinner needing the grace of God or do you pride yourself on being a saint? Believe me, according to the Bible, you and I need the grace of God in our lives. Do you let local customs, traditions, cultural values dictate your lives or are you prepared to break barriers? Many years back when I was in high school and my mom and I returned from Ethiopia in Africa back to India, I went to the shop one evening at about 7 o'clock and asked for a sewing needle 
because the button in my shirt had fallen off and I needed my mom to stitch that button back again. So they told me, no, they wouldn't give me a needle. And I was wondering why that was so. Now, I had a problem because I needed to wear that uniform the next day to school. And I needed my mom to stitch that button onto my shirt. I went to the second shop. I took my cycle and I went to the next shop. And I said, Can I, I need to get a sewing needle. Those were days when we didn't have big supermarkets and malls and all of that. You know, we had little shops, penny shops as we call them. I went there. They said, no, they wouldn't give me. And I was confused. I said, why is this? I can go and buy sugar. I could buy a notebook, but they're not giving me a needle. And I went back home and I told my mom, I said, I don't know what you're going to do, but they're not giving me a needle. So she said, well, I'll have to just put a pin for you tomorrow morning and you go to school. But they won't give you a needle after 6 p.m. And I said, why? What's so sacrosanct about 6 p.m. that I don't get a needle? So she said, no, after the lights come on, after the lights are put on, they won't give a needle. So I started, this started irking me. I said, I've got to find the reason for this. I mean, I'm a, I was a logical person at that point of time. I may not be now, but at that point of time. We didn't have Google, of course, to search out and check why needles were not be given at that point of time. And they said, no, it's a custom that needles should not be given. I tracked this custom backwards. I tracked it backwards searching books because it was really irking me. Why would this illogical issue still persist? And then I found the reason. The reason simply was this custom came into existence at a point when we didn't have light. There was, you know, in the evening, all the light you could have was if you had a lamp which you lit with a matchstick. So the, so the light was very dim. And if at that time you took a needle and you stitched something and you left the needle somewhere or the needle fell down, it could hurt you. You could step on it, you could sit on it, it would hurt you. And so somebody came out with this custom stating that the scripture says, and they are talking about the Hindu scriptures, the scripture says that after six o'clock, after the lights come on, you shouldn't be touching needles. And of course, as in any other part of the world, when you say that God says you shouldn't do something, no questions are asked. So nobody asked a question. I said, that's fine. Okay, that was at a time when you had the lantern and nothing more than that. Now you have got beautiful lights. The light in the room is better after the lights are, come, are put on than during the daytime. We see better with all the beautiful tube lights and the different types of lights we have. Why can't a needle be given? You see, there are a lot of customs that come into place which might have had sense or meaning at a particular point of time because the circumstance then required that. But we today follow customs and traditions blindly. Jesus Christ came to break traditions. You and I need to look around. If the tradition does not make sense, if it goes against the law of God, if it is not in the plan of God, if it's interfering with the work of God, break that tradition. Don't say this is the custom of my country. I have colleagues in my department, Indians, and every time during the break, 
There is one major point of discussion now because we opened the newspaper and the first thing that people look at is the price of gold. Everybody is looking, oh the cost of gold has gone down. Today it is 14 real 750 baisa. Yesterday it was 14 real 760 baisa. And then they say, okay, then tomorrow comes. The cost of gold goes up to 15 rials, 100 baisa. They say, oh, we lost an opportunity. We should have bought yesterday. Why? So I kept asking them, why? Because at one point, that's the conversation I don't get into. So I asked them, uh, so they asked me, how come you don't join this conversation? I said, it's been 10 years since I entered into a gold shop. Luckily, I have a wife who's not so keen on gold. And my daughter doesn't like gold. So lucky for me, I don't have to enter into a gold shop. Then they said, no, 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 but you must buy gold. You have a daughter. She has to get married. You have to load her with gold when she gets married. I said, says who? It's a custom. It is a tradition in our country. That if you have a daughter, you chain her with all the chains possible. And hand her over to the next guy. I said, I will hand over my daughter the next day, but not with chains. After that, if he wants to chain her, that's up to him. Not me. You see, traditions. Jesus broke traditions. Everything that Jesus did was breaking traditions. Breaking customs. Did they make sense? Were they in line with God's plan? Did it interfere with God's work? Break it. Okay, that's what Jesus did. Allow Jesus to break traditions or customs that bind you and deny you the freedom that Christ has actually won for for you and for me. Lesson number three. Jesus offers the only truly free gift. Milton Friedman, the noted Nobel Prize winning economist, once said this, there is no such thing as a free meal. He was simply stating an obvious fact. Nothing in life is really free. Anything that is offered to you free, there is a price that you have to pay at some point of time. Today Lulu has got buy two, get one free. You don't need the two. But because of the free, you go and get the two. And so you have three, all of which you don't need. And you are very happy that you got one free, but you are never going to use the three for the next six months. Okay? That's the principle. Okay? There is nothing free. There is no such thing as a free meal. Last week, I was reading a Christian devotional on the net. And suddenly, a pop-up screen popped up, announcing a free book. It was a free book on hope. Okay? They said, just click here to download No conditions, nothing. Just send us your name and your email address. Nothing else required. It was a book on hope in Christ. Well, I made sure I looked everywhere. Is this really free? Are they going to ask for my credit card number somewhere? No. So I put my email address. And I put in my name. And I said, send. So it went. And the next minute I get another pop-up from my, from my email address 
which tells me that a message has come in. So I open my email. And there is free download. So I open that and then it says download. Click download. So I clicked download. Happily, I'm getting a free book. I'm going to read that. Probably in the next six months I'll use that as part of the message. Hope in Christ. I didn't get a single book. Instead, what did I get? I got half a dozen viruses. I got them free. You see, I looked for something free. I had to pay a price. It was costly for me to get rid of that. But it had to be done. So you see, from today's passage, we know one thing. There is a gift that Jesus is offering. He talked about living waters. And he said it's a gift. He's not charging us for that gift. He's telling you, you can have living water free. Jesus was offering that woman the gift of eternal life. Jesus was telling her, I've got it for you. You don't need to pay me anything for this. I'm not asking you for anything in return. You want it? Ask for it? You take it. You see, she kind of misunderstood that statement at that point of time. For her, the point was, wow, I'm going to get living water and it will never thirst again. That means I will never have to come in the hot sun once again and collect water. You see, she was looking at things from a physical point of view. She was looking at it from her. That was her difficult situation. But Christ was talking of something else. He was talking of her spiritual life. You see, we need to understand one thing. That when Jesus offered our Samaritan sister the gift of living water, it did not mean that her life on earth would become easier. It simply meant that her life in the future would be secure. So when Christ offers us something, it does not mean that life is going to become easier. It simply means that Christ is securing our future. Your future and my future gets secured. But what happens now is still going to take place. Our Samaritan sister took some time to understand this. As I said, she was initially more interested in getting living water. So that she would not have to come daily to the well to collect water. Now why are you looking for Jesus? Do you want, to, do you want him just to satisfy your daily physical wants? Or do you want him to meet your life's spiritual needs? Let your motives be right as you seek his free gift. It is free. He gives you a gift. He's prepared to do that at any point of time. But he needs your motives and my motives to be right as we stretch out our hand to him. Lesson number four. Don't hide the truth from Jesus. From this passage of John 4, we realize that the Samaritan woman did not speak lies. The only problem was that she spoke part of the truth and not the whole truth. And when she realized that Christ knew her history, like many of us, she quickly tried to change the topic. While Christ wanted to address her current sinful lifestyle, her focus was quickly to divert his attention 
and she appears to be a clever woman, eh? this uh, Samaritan lady, because she immediately took, takes him to the issue of worshipping God. He's trying to talk to her about her current sinful state. She doesn't want to hear that. Because that is irking her. She knows that she's in sin. She knows that what she's doing is not right. So she says, can we please talk about, you know, worshipping God, you, Jerusalem, this hill, that hill. Divert the topic. What about you and me today? Do we speak the truth? The whole truth? And nothing but the truth? Ask yourself that question. Today, did you speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Frankly, in the lives of many of us, I doubt it. We may think we are not telling lies, but we are not telling the whole truth. There is a Jewish proverb which says, a half-truth is a whole lie. A half-truth is a whole lie. Ever so often, I hear people trying to tell me their version of the story, of a story, whatever it is. In reality, this is incomplete truth. Because they want me to hear their opinion of the story. They want me to make my decision based on their opinion of the truth. I don't get the full picture. I don't get the full truth. And I hesitate to make decisions. Because I know that I'm not getting the full picture. Maybe it's my training. Because I've said this in the past. One of the first things we are taught as physicians is don't believe the patient. Patients tell lies. I've heard that. I've heard that from here. Patients tell lies. Therefore, we often have half-truths. We don't, make, we don't speak the complete truth. But in the presence of God, don't ever speak half-truths. Don't give your version of the truth. There are two hands that need to clap. There, are, there is this version and there is a version you don't want to show. To Christ, show both the versions. Okay, if you want Christ to answer you, show him both the versions. Because it's not that you and I are saints. It's not that you and I are perfect all the time. It's not that the next person is always wrong and I am always right. It's not that... The next person is always at fault and I am always the victim. Because that's the picture we like to give. But don't live in half-truths. Tell the truth. Tell the full truth. Tell the complete truth. Tell the whole truth. That should be the way we live because that's what God wants. God was trying to, Jesus was trying to solve a problem for this woman. Bring your husband. She tried to change the topic because that was not something that interested her. That was not something that she wanted to talk. There are times when we have, 
When Jesus tells us something, he pokes us and says, Listen, guy, do this. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about it. Who are you talking to? You're talking to Jesus. And you're telling him, I don't want to talk about that. Will you please overlook that? But Jesus says, that's the area I need to correct you. That's the area I need to discipline you. Can we please talk about that? And you say, no, I want to talk about something else. Why aren't you dealing with the weather in Muscat, Jesus? It should have become 28 degrees by now. It still is 36 degrees. Something's gone wrong in your thermostat. Can you please deal with it? No, I want to talk on something else. What did you do in your office yesterday? No, I don't want to talk about that. Jesus doesn't believe in half-truths. Jesus doesn't deal in half-truths. Now, as you read on from chapter 4, verses 27 to 45, which we are not going to read, because as I said, this is a well-known passage, you will read of how our Samaritan woman went back to her city and told everyone therein of her encounter with Jesus. The people of the city then came to Jesus, and the Bible tells us that many believed. That's what the Bible tells us. So this brings us to our last lesson for today. Lesson number five. Jesus can use you if you are willing. Here is one woman, a sinner, touched by Jesus. The woman, our Samaritan sister, then evangelizes her whole city. She has got no degree in theology, nor has she been specially trained to evangelize, nor has she been ordained or prayed over in the church. All she did was to share her testimony. She went back to her city. She left her things and she went back to her city and said, Listen, there is a man who told me everything I have done. And the people said, Oops, we know what you have done. Now can we see this person please? And they come and they ask Jesus, Please stay with us sometime. Teach us more. And he teaches them. And the Bible tells us many were saved. All she did was to share her testimony. She was willing to go and talk to people and tell them, listen, here is a man who told me everything that I did. He's opened my eyes. He's changed my perspective. He's made me think differently. What about you and me? Can we do that today? Or are we too embarrassed to talk about who Jesus is? If you are willing... Jesus is able to use you. Remember what the evangelist Wigglesworth once said a long time back. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. Last week we heard Brother Rajiv where he said when he came here first and he had an opportunity to join the praise and worship ministry he thought he would get himself perfect before joining the praise and worship ministry. Till God told him, that's not the way it is. Join. You will, things will get better as you, after you join. God is looking for those who are willing to share his word. 
the last thing that Christ told us was simply go and preach the word. That's all Christ said. How do you preach the word? Just go and tell somebody God loves you. I was down in the dumps. God lifted me up. Somebody's going to ask you, can you explain that please? What do you mean? You were down in the dumps and God's lifted you up and you tell them your testimony. You tell them you were walking on a railway track waiting for a train to come and knock you down. You were looking for the highest bridge from which to jump off because that was the end of your life. God pulled you up from there. People are going to listen to you. People are going to get touched because you don't know. Maybe that man is looking for a railway track and an engine to come and knock him down. Maybe he too is looking for a tall bridge from which to jump. And when he hears you, he says, I want to experience the same thing you have experienced. Are you willing to go and speak just like the Samaritan woman? Are you ready for Jesus today? It's easy for us to say that I was born again many years back. It's easy for us to say right now that who are you talking to? I'm a born again believer. True. Many of us are. Ask yourself the question. Jesus said go and preach. Go and preach the word. That's all Jesus said. Are you doing that? If you are a born-again believer, are you doing that? Or are you just happy saying, I'm a born-again believer, I've got my place reserved in heaven, seat 4B is mine. The 4B has got better leg space, so that's my place in heaven. I've got a mansion up in heaven. Is, is that it? But Jesus said something else. He said, go and preach. And that is not to the non-believer. That instruction is given to you and to me. Are you willing to go for Jesus? Are you willing to be used of Jesus? Because if you are willing, Jesus is ready to use you. He used a sinner woman. A woman who has been living in sin right there. It is a matter of minutes. She heard the Lord Jesus Christ, she walked, she left everything, she went and she evangelized her city. We have had much greater opportunities to share God's word. Are we prepared to do that or are we embarrassed? Now is your time to talk to the Lord. We are going to spend some time in prayer. And you can tell him your desires. You can tell him your needs. Let's just go into an attitude of prayer. Let's just close our eyes. The lessons are simple. Jesus meets with a nobody. So if you think you are a nobody, Jesus says you are a somebody. In my eyes, you are a somebody. The world may think you are a nobody, but to me, you are somebody. You are very important. Jesus breaks barriers. Is there something in your life that is not in line with God's plan and purpose? Break it. 
Don't say this is the custom of my land. Don't say that this is the tradition in my family. Don't say this is the way it's always been done and therefore this is the way I'm going to do it. If it interferes with God's plan, break it. Jesus offers us the only true gift. Receive it. Don't reject the gift which Jesus Christ is giving you. Don't look around and see if there is something that you have to return to Jesus because of that. He's not asking for any return. He just says, ask and you will get it. Speak the truth to Jesus completely. Don't hide anything. All Jesus is asking is be truthful. Be absolutely truthful. Tell God you are willing. Tell God that you are willing to be His hands, His feet, His mouth in this land. God will put the words in your mouth. God will equip you. Talk to Him truthfully. Tell Him the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I want to ask a question here. It may apply to some, but not to all. Are you a born-again believer? Or are you one who does not know the Lord? Do you want to know this Lord? Do you want to know this Jesus Christ? If the Lord has ministered to you, as He has been ministering day after day, week after week, month after month, and if you are convicted in your heart that you need to know this Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you want to invite Him into your heart, and you are prepared to repent of your sins, and you are prepared to confess and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I ask you to raise your hands. All eyes closed. All heads bowed. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about the person around you. This is not about them. This is between you and God only. If you really want to know this Jesus Christ, and you say, yes, the time has come. God has been speaking to me. God has been ministering to me and I want to know this Lord and Savior. I want to accept Him as my personal Savior. I want Him in my life. I want to have Him with me all the time. I want my walk to be with Him. I want to put my hands in His hands. If you are prepared to repent, if you are prepared to confess your sins, if you are prepared to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, raise your hands. We will pray for you. For the rest of you who have been praying, continue to commit your needs into the Lord's hand. Just talk to Him. Tell Him. Tell Him your situation.
Where do you stand in comparison to the Samaritan woman? Are you like Nicodemus who needs to be told that he's a sinner, but he still needs the grace of God? Or are you like the Samaritan woman who knew that she was a sinner and knew that she needed the grace of God? Talk to him. Talk to the Lord. Father God, we just want to come at this time into your hands. Thank you, Father Lord, for being with each and every one of us. We acknowledge, Lord, that we have fallen short of your glory time and again, Lord. We have done that which displeases you, Lord. We have brought pain to your heart, Lord Jesus. We continue to hammer nails into you, Lord. We think that we aren't doing it. But we continue to hammer nails into you, Lord. Forgive us. We refuse to follow simple instructions that you give us. We refuse to be obedient to your word, Lord. But we ask you to forgive us. We pray that your grace will be upon us, Lord. Take away the obstinacy of our heart. Change our ways of thinking, Lord Father. Help us to live lives of truth. Help us to do what you want us to do. Help us to see ourselves as you see us and not as the world sees us. Help us to live our lives in a way that is right in your sight and not the way the world wants us to live. Father God, we thank you for each one of us here, Lord. We give all glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I will call the elders, the pastors to come forward. And those of you who do have any particular prayer requests, that intercession points that you have, please come. And our leaders, our elders, our pastors will pray for you. Can I ask our pastors and our elders to come forward, please? And those of you who want to be prayed for, please do come forward. But also remember that as you come forward, God hears your prayers. Be prepared to come with a testimony next time. Come with a thankful heart. Thank God for who He is. Thank God for what He's doing in your lives. The time is yours. I'll ask the choir to minister. And even as the choir ministers, I'll ask our elders and pastors to pray for each and every one of you. Praise. For the rest of us, please continue to be in an attitude of prayer. Ask that God's presence shall continue to pervade in this place.
Ask, pray to God. Jesus. Tell Him that you want every person here to feel His presence. You might have felt the presence of God. Jesus. Ask that for others. Ask that for your brothers, your sisters, your neighbor. Ask for others. Would you be free from your burden or sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood.
There is power. 
Shall we all stand to our feet? Do you believe that God has spoken to us? How many of you believe that we are blessed? Shall I see your hands? Can we give a cloth offering unto the Lord? Acceptance of His presence? Believing of what God has done to us? As He wants to Samaritan woman is to us today and it's a challenge we should be willing to share the good news whoever we are whatever the condition God is not respecter of any person God is the one, our Jesus Christ is the one who breaks the barriers but at the same time we should be willing let us learn to speak the truth to the Lord even we hide the things, but God knows all things. We believe in that. Do you believe that? That is why we believe that God fulfills the desires of His children. As long as we speak the truth, definitely He will fulfill our desires. Whatever your desire today, whoever came forward today to pray for, but I believe every one of us have some need. That may be physical, material, or spiritual. But, whatever it is, God is going to fulfill your need today. Amen? Shall we all pray for your need? You pray for yourself. Instead of praying others to pray for you, you pray for your need. Your faith, by your faith, you will be healed. By your faith, you will be received. 